This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breaking Labels podcast. I am your host, Rosanna Gill, and I am so glad you are here for part two of Sarah's story. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, then Go ahead and listen to this episode, but you should also listen to part one of Sarah's story, which came out last week. It was episode 52. So to catch you up, on last week's episode, Sarah shared her story of going through an abortion and then a suicide attempt that came pretty quickly after uh, the abortion. And there were some other events that happened in between the, the abortion and the suicide attempt, but... That's where we left off at the end of that episode, and this week we're starting off with what was the aftermath of that suicide attempt, and where was she for the next few weeks, and just what her road to recovery was like. And by recovery, I mean just, you know, coming to a better mental space where she actually wanted to be here, wanted to live, and, you know, I think that's a topic that people have a lot of fear about talking about, or I know that sometimes suicide is very controversial, as is abortion, but that's the great thing about this podcast, is we're not here to have only fun conversations. We're here to talk about things that maybe are a little controversial, but need to be talked about, because I don't think anything good ever came from hiding things in shame and in dark corners. If anything, the opposite happens. So we are bringing all that stuff to light in this episode and in this podcast in general. But before we jump into the second part of the conversation with Sarah, I did want to let everybody know or just remind you that our partner for the entire month of May is Dee Williams of Dee's Sweet Teas. And if you have not listened to her episode, which is episode 51, The Divine Secrets of Dee's Sweet Teas, go check out that episode. And also go check out the link to her website that's in the show notes. Uh, She sent me a couple shirts that I love. One says, heal you boo. And the other one says, milf. But there is a much different meaning for MILF than the traditional one. So really love her shirts. And she said that if anybody wants to, you can order them through her website. If you also would like one of those shirts, you just have to let her know when you uh, email her or message her through the website that you heard about these shirts on the Breaking Labels podcast. And you can check out my Instagram. You'll see me in those shirts there. So please go check out a small business owner and somebody who is on the podcast. With that, let's jump into the rest of this conversation with Sarah because, man, is it good. Woke woke up in the hospital and my parents found out because my medical stuff is brought to light and it kind of clicked with them. Oh, yeah that so. was, well I almost wonder if there was some relief for your parents in that not that you had right but that like because for them this came out of nowhere this came out of left field right so to know oh god there was a horrific right. impetus yeah for sure and you know it's so like yeah so 
I never thought it's funny. That's a great point. I had never thought about that before. When you know, you're probably right. It would be interesting to ask them that. You're probably right. Yeah. So I spent. I don't honestly. I don't remember. It was. I felt like it was a long time in a mental health place because when you know afterwards they talk to you and they figure out go home and they're like oh you know can you go home like you were a threat to yourself and they ask you such certain questions and I was like I straight up said I would I want to die I don't I don't want to be here um so I think I was at this facility for like uh, several weeks terrifying actually was it what, what what about it was terrifying well you had like you had two wings you had like you had a wing where people that were not uh, a threat to other people mm-hmm. were like and we were all kind of like in like a little like you had your own room you had a roommate um and then you had like weekly you had like daily meetings and and things like that and like therapy stuff and um but I was drugged up a lot of the time like oh, really I I couldn't honestly I couldn't tell you a lot of what happened there I was completely out of my mind like on that that strikes me as odd because I don't really know how that would help you I mean I guess right like chemically yes but it feels like it's still delaying the inevitable of when you are going to have to consciously think about everything. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I, I, I feel like your, I feel like your, your mind does things to protect Mm. yourself. So I might've blocked out, like I might've been really, um, I don't know. I might've had a hard time. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just remember I was, I was out of it a lot of, a lot of the time. Um, and I remember in the, there was a guy that I was a little scared of. He would always like look at me and kind of freak me out. But I remember every night I would get a shot and my, like my butt. And within like minutes of getting that shot, I was just out. And I, and that always scared me a little bit because I was always afraid because the doors weren't locked. Our bedroom was locked. Oh, that, that was like, that would scare me. That man might come. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. as and soon I, as you said there was a creepy man, I was like, "Oh Lord, what's happening at night?" I know, I know. First. And then like, there was like nur- there was like a nurse place, and then on the other side that we had to walk through, go outside. Like we got to go outside once a day. Was people were locked in their rooms, and you could hear them screaming and like banging on the doors, and you could hear them at night. And yeah, it was a lot. But, and that, and it's so funny because I've talked to people, I've reconnected with people in the past couple of years and they'll be like, yeah, I came to see you after that happened. After you tried to commit suicide. I don't remember. Really? I don't remember talking to people. I don't remember visitors. I don't remember. So. um, How long did you say you were there for? I mean, I feel like it was like at least two or three weeks, maybe more. Yeah, a long time, especially considering the the situation, the environment, I, the, the whole banging on the doors and screaming. That would be enough. Quite frankly, that would be enough to, to make me go crazy. 
Like that would just scare me having to, it's just ironic, right? Like you're in this place to hopefully recover and to, to move past the trauma, but it sounds like you're in a fairly terrifying environment. It was, it was weird. Cause like, it's like, I have memories of, of like, I remember memories of hearing it, but it, it didn't, I was, I just felt like I was in a dream. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was just not in my body. If that makes any sense. I'm mm-hmm. just, I, I was just, I was there, but I was just kind of like floating. <laughs> that does actually make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there were things that like, maybe I took in that um, maybe if I would have been fully present would have been like snapped me out of it and been like, you got to get out of here, girlfriend. But it wasn't, you know, you were in a haze. I was definitely, definitely in a haze. Yeah, for sure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and honestly, like, and after that, I don't know, I don't know where I went. I don't know that the rest of that year, or I don't even know what timeline that was. It's, it's just, those memories are gone. Well, th- that is also probably the mind protecting itself. Like you mm-hmm. said earlier, mm-hmm. there are some things that you just probably don't need to remember. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think suicide is like, if someone met me today, they would never think that would be something that I would have done, that I would be that type of, that type of person. Mm-hmm. That's a label. Uh- People assume that there's a certain person that you look a certain way, you act a certain way, all these things. Mm-hmm. And there, there is no one way because there's no one trauma that drives someone to that. No. Cause everyone's trauma is unique to them. You know, your story is unique to you, but what's it, what, what defines trauma for you is because of what's happened to you mm-hmm. so it could be trauma for you it could be nothing for someone else mm-hmm. you know and yeah so I think you have to what it has given me and what I feel like God has helped me with throughout the years and it has it's still a journey I mean I still struggle a lot with anxiety and depression to you know but what he's given me is an empathy to people who are scared, who are, who are silently suffering and are scared to talk about it because they don't know what to say. He's just given me this intuition to pick up on that with people. And a lot of times what will happen is I'll just sit down and just kind of feel like I'm just going to like have a casual conversation with someone. And then they just start talking and they get emotional and, and I think that's a that's something that I feel like is a blessing that's allowed me to encourage people and just like be that ear for them. And I mean, it's happened with complete strangers. And I'm glad to be that for someone. I don't care who you are. Because I, you know they're in pain. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you just never know what people are doing. Never, never know what people are suffering from. And so just sitting down with someone looking them in the eyes and legitimately asking them 
how are you doing can end up in a conversation that allows them to free themselves of a burden that no one else or they feel like no one else can hear. Mm -hmm. And everyone needs that. Everyone. So, yeah. I almost think that some people, they need it. They need to open up and relieve that with a stranger because then there's no, there's no pressure. They never Mm -hmm. have to worry about seeing that person again. And the awkwardness, oh my God, I opened up my life and my heart to you. Yeah. And there's this transactional period. Right. But it gives them that freedom. It allows like what I, so I used to sometimes encounter that as a waitress, but when I drove for Lyft, my favorite part of it, like it was on the one hand, it would be like, I am not good at late nights, but I loved it because I knew so many times people would tell me their darkest, deepest emotions, beliefs, And I knew they can only do this because they know they're not going to see me again. Mm -hmm. And I was fine with, because I could tell they needed that. Mm -hmm. Like for that 15 to 30 minutes, that person is in your car. It was that safe space. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, we, I feel like we take for granted sometimes how much peace you can give someone by giving them 15 to 30 minutes. Yes. Yeah. But I do also wonder if your experiences, if it, it almost like sheds a layer, right? You exude an energy that maybe other people wouldn't realize, but somebody in pain. Mm. Maybe you're right. I always wonder that because I'm like, how do they know? How do they know they can do that to me? Like, how do they know they can, they can open up to me? And same with you. Like, have you ever wondered how they knew that they were safe? Like, they don't know your story. They don't know what you've been through, Mm -hmm. but you exude something that makes that person feel safe Mm -hmm. for that time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you would exude that if you hadn't been through that. I don't think you do. I don't think... You know, people that have been through really hard times and if you allow it to sink in and you allow yourself to learn and grow and don't, you don't hide from it, but you have to embrace the pain so that you can, A, move on with peace. And, and the one thing that always gives me so much peace is that God knew, there's a verse in the Bible about how he knew us in the womb. And he has plans for us. He knew I was going to do that. He knew still loves me. And that's what I was missing in those moments of pain is that, hey, it's going to be okay. Because you know what? The one person, the one being Mm -hmm. that created you, that knows you, he knows every thought you have before you have it. He knew what you were going to do before you did it still loves you is such a powerful thing for me now, when I have like moments where I just feel like I'm utterly failing as a mom or a wife or just the things that we all struggle with, it allows me to give myself grace Mm -hmm. because where we fail, God's grace abounds. He's got me. Mm -hmm. 
I might not have done that great today when Cassidy, when my son was having his little moment <laughs> and I, you know, but I'm covered, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, and so I think it's like, you just, you have these, these, we can take our pain and we can let it harden us mm-hmm. and we can let it define us in a way where we don't let people in, where we only see the bad, where we're hurtful and and we lash out, or we can let it soften us and we we can let it feel other people's pain Mm -hmm. and help them in those moments, you know, because it's just, we all have those moments. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Well, I feel like one thing that I've, I, I had, it was twofold. So growing up, I was also raised Christian and I was always in youth group, always at church. And I was, I was a very judgy Christian. I had never done anything wrong. I was great. <laughs> of course, God loved me. Cause I don't, I do what I'm supposed to, cause I was a people pleaser and an overachiever. Like that's how I got my attention. That's how I got my love was mm-hmm. by doing, being a good girl. I liked mm-hmm. being a goody two shoes. Cause it, it gave me attention. Like that was my, that was my jam. But when I started making mistakes and when I was not in my bubble and when I was in positions where I had to make a choice and I did not make the choice that I always thought I would, it led me down some roads and the shame, all of the stuff that came with that also showed me, I I couldn't judge anyone after that. Yes. It it taught me like, I, listen, you could, you could have murdered someone and I still, there's going to be part of me that's like, I, I can't judge. Because one, I can't say I'm never going to do it because I'm terrified to ever say that again. Because I said a lot of things I would never. And then I did. And I thought, oh, this is dangerous. Mm. I'm never saying that word again. Because that's <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like God's like, oh, you never? You want to judge someone? Okay, well, let me let you walk in their shoes. And it's like, all right, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody because I don't, I don't want to go through all this again. This is awful. But again, I'm so grateful for it. I had Mm -hmm. to make those mistakes and it was kind of, I really do believe it was God showing me like, you are going to mess up so bad. So, and not just like not following Christian rules, but just like, you're going to put people before you, you're going to put people above me. You're going to do all of these things to your own detriment Mm -hmm. and I'm still going to love you. Yeah. And like, when you said, when you said that was powerful, you took the word out of my mind because it is. And I feel so sad when people say like, oh, God wouldn't love me. I'm like, listen, yeah, you feel that love when you have that moment of like just knowing that there is someone who has seen the stuff that your own family doesn't know, the stuff that your friends don't know and still mm-hmm. loves you. Yeah. Whew. Whew. Mind blowing. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. And I That's what I've, like, I was talking to my husband about it. And I said, you know, it's like growing up, we were told what to do and not do. Mm -hmm. It wasn't what I know now as my relationship with, with the Lord. And, and, and now it's so deeply personal because I feel like he literally just brought me up. I mean, he just lifted me. And then, you know, on top of that, it's like, I never thought I was going to have a kid. 
I had just tuned that out. I had just said, okay, God, you gave me my chance. And I just blew that out the water. Like, is that, I've heard that that is a common thought from, from women who have, who've gone through an abortion like that. Okay. God's going to punish me because I, I gave away this, this life and now. Nope. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, on, I will be honest with you. I, I thought that I had just completely, and actually I had grown a bit of a disgust to motherhood. Mm -hmm. I think, I think out of protection Mm -hmm. to fight that natural desire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it was funny, I started working at this gym and there was these two little boys and I didn't want nothing to do with kids. Okay. <laughs> like I was like, y'all need to. Mm. And they, they followed me around. The little one was three. He was three and he followed me around and he talked to me and he, and I fell in love. Like I just fell in love with these two little boys. Like they were my own little boys. And I think that was my first like to be like okay maybe i don't hate kids guy was chipping away at that little that little heart like, all right gonna, yeah i'm gonna send you some precious children yes you know and yeah so i mean and you know and even you know to this day it's like i i look at my son think what brought me to this point it's almost like it was just, it was crazy and it was hard and I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I have my son Mm -hmm. and I have a second chance to teach him about how much God loves him. And I, he can know that he will always be loved, you know? And it's like, I just think if you have kids, we can empower them. We can mm-hmm. empower them to not be influenced by the narcissistic society that we live in where everything has to be validated and you have to have 20 million followers or you have to like have abs or, you know, you can be uniquely you and God made you that way and celebrate it and you can and you can live it and own it and and just go like live your life Mm -hmm. like so I think that's such an opportunity every day I have him is an opportunity to show him what that looks like Mm -hmm. you know and so, you do show him. It's not just telling him. Like he's going to watch you more than he listens to you. Unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know? For sure. Yeah. So I think the suicide is just the beginning. It was the beginning of learning who I truly am, and that is first and foremost a child of God, and loved fearfully and wonderfully made. Nobody can take that from me. And I love your, your, your mantra. I claim it every day, girl, because you know, it's like, 
You gotta remember it. You gotta remember it. I, I never get tired of it. Never yeah. ever. So yeah, it, it's um the beginning and you know, you learn, you just learn so much. And, and even now it's like, you know, um, my, my days, I just know I'll never, I have a purpose. If I did not have a purpose, I would not be here. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, parents give up so much for their kids. And the image of my parents looking at me and thinking they were going to lose me will forever be imprinted on my mind. It is like a, it is like a photo. Mm-hmm. And when I see them, I live that moment and I just embrace them and I celebrate every time we have time together. I don't care if it's five minutes. I don't care if it's just simple stuff because if we have our parents, you have to do that to them because we will never know how much they gave up for you. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so it, it made me, I think about what, what led up to that. And I think, man, they were probably just like, that spoiled little brat, you know, <laughs> like, um, I bet they were not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but you you know, like all that to be said, it, it, like it just makes you appreciate your parents to see, you know, and, and I feel very special, like very not special, um, blessed to have that experience because I don't think a lot of people, I think a lot of people realize too late how lucky they are to have their parents and what they might have given up to for them for their kids to have the lives they have and so I feel like I just got really lucky really not lucky really blessed to to experience that so young you know and kind of rebuild from there and they've been with me the whole every step of the way like so supportive and um every everything so I mean, shout out to mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Well, I would think that it's probably even more poignant for you now as a mother, right? Because you know what it is like to ha- love something that is outside of yourself. And that's something I, I don't remember where I read that. And it was like, you know, I'm not a mom, but when I tried to put myself in that position, it was like, whoo, whoo. And I will say, I think watching my boyfriend, worry about his kids the way mm-hmm. he does made me understand my parents so much more. Mm-hmm. And just like, I get overwhelmed by it because it's just, oh man, like all those times my mom would say, text me when you get there and I just forget and I don't text her. And now I watch like this man go beside himself if he doesn't hear from them in an hour. And I'm like, oh crap, I did that. <laughs> you know, but like, yes, I'm so grateful for it because watching him it is, his kids are not like they're not little kids. I call them kids. They're not kids. They're adults. Yeah. yeah. But they will always be his kids. Always. Always. Mm-hmm. Just like I will always be my mama's kid. Yes. Oh, jeepers. Yeah. And you know, and I think you're 
you have, I, I love your story. I love your strength in, in, in your story because, you know, my brother is, is um, schizophrenic and he's six years older than me. So, you know, growing up, you know, that's a pretty big gap. So I didn't really, but now I, I see him, he's homeless and I do see him. He just met his nephew for like the first time. Oh, what was that like? Heartbreaking. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. Um, he, he doesn't, he's not on, he's not in our reality. Yeah. It's, it's at that point where he's just permanently, I mean, he knows who people are, mm-hmm. but what he says is just not, it doesn't make sense. And, um, but what you said, when you said you went to that support group and you sat there and you were, they told you to like, what's, they ask you a question and then there was oh. people being. Yes. The, the exercise where my group, we were supposed to be listening to an instructor and following instructions. Yeah. And then behind us, there were a group of people who had to say the same things over and over. And I got to hear what it was like if you're schizophrenic and there are voices in your head. And it was just like, I wanted to run out of the room screaming. Mm-hmm. And when you think of that, it's like, oh my God, like somebody has to live like that all the time. Yeah. And I, you, the way you, you shared that just touched me so deeply. It really did because it's, it's hard to, to love someone like that, um, much less your mother. And, but that moment and you said it clicked for you Mm -hmm. you suddenly had empathy for that, that, feeling I mean can you imagine I, I can't and I think I did a um, I did like I studied I spent a quite a bit of time looking up the disease and um I think at that point that's when I started kind of being empathetic to it because I would observe him and and now where he the state that he's in he's um he's in his Ford he's in his um late 40s and has found a way to survive on the street and bless him. He's, he carries his Bible and his toothbrush and he goes to these little churches and they, they take care of him and God, God protects him. But, but um, there's just, when you see him, I, I mean, I, it's always a very emotional day when I see him because I literally just cry. I, after I drive away because I just, your mind goes to, why does, why does it have to be like this? Like, why does it have to be like this? And then I think about my parents and this is their oldest son, their firstborn son. And, and then of course I get even more choked up, you know, and I, you know, I just wanted to tell you, I, I, I do, I do understand to some degree, you know, and that you're, I, I think, it was really brave. And I loved, I loved that you shared that because it, it did help me. Um, and I shared that with my mom and, um, 
it was it was just very touching I mean I told like I was literally like on a walk and like I had to stop walking because I was just like I was just crying that means so much because it was it was hard to talk about yes but there was also the fear that when my mom found out that I talked about it that 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 might cause a rift that we couldn't come back from but I kept praying about it and I kept affirming nope our relationship is the best it's ever been and it's going to stay that way and when she I don't know if she's listened to it I don't think she's listened to it but she knows about it and it was tough it was a tough conversation to have because of course she doesn't want that information out like of course she doesn't want people to now look at her a certain kind of a way but we also talked about things that we never talked about and I let her know that people had reached out and said it helped or that they had gone through something similar and it, I could almost feel like the sigh for her because she had felt alone for so long too. Yeah. 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 And I just think so many families go through this and we were never meant to go through it alone. And yet we all tend to isolate. Like, well, actually I'm not, I'm, I'm very curious. Like when, when you, when you were growing up, like, did you guys ever talk about your brother's illness or did it not kind of come out until he was an adult? It didn't come out until he was an adult. So usually schizophrenia in males doesn't happen until their late teens, early 20s. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's about when it happened for him. Um, And it just started kind of being kind of like erratic behavior, you know. And of course, I was quite a bit younger than him at that time. So I, I missed a lot of that. But so we didn't really. And then when it all happened... I'll be honest with you. I was mad because mm-hmm. he was, he was aggressive mm-hmm. and I felt like he was going to hurt my parents. And, um, you know, we Baker acted him a couple times and he won't, you know, they typically, they won't take medicine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it just, I felt, I feel like it happened and escalated really quickly mm-hmm. and you know like okay like he's being weird to like there's something really wrong something really wrong so my mom gets really upset about it like anytime I try to talk to her about him or like if I see him and I call her like she just kind of start crying which I I'm usually crying before I call her mm-hmm. um, so I think anytime you have a family member that suffers from mental illness, if you're struggling with it, that you should get help, Mm -hmm. that you should seek help. And I think, like you said, I think that's where people struggle because they feel like I'm just going to be a blubbering mess or whatever their fear is about it. Mm -hmm. But really, like you said, like, you, you know, you were very emotional, but it helped you tremendously to know yes. that there's this man here and it's his, it was his, you know, wife or, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there was all these people. And so, yeah, I mean, I definitely think, I think you're right for sure. People just suffer through it and they find, you know, a lot of it is, it's kind of like when my mom thinks about him, I'm sure she just cries, you know? I mean, and and how could you, like, when I went to those meetings, I would say probably 95% of the people who were there, it was a child of theirs who was mentally Mm -hmm. ill. 
mm-hmm. which always struck me as just, wow, you know, I just, yeah. what is that like? And, and it was also interesting to me that most of the times it was the mothers. Yeah. One, the, the class that I was in for the 12 weeks, there was a husband and wife there together who had a daughter who was mentally ill, but the vast majority of the time it was mothers. And I just, to me, that speaks to, again, like this emphasis therapy support groups is not just for women because if it has the toll that it does on the mother, while it may be more socially acceptable for her to break down in tears, I can promise you the father is going through something too. Oh yeah. And and just contrary to what people think, I don't necessarily think they're, they're qualified to help each other. Like they need to get their own help as individuals. Yes. Their own oxygen mass. Yes. Before they can be a unit on that. Yeah. Because they have different needs. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And I think men just deal with it in such a different way. I mean, I know it takes a toll on my dad for sure. 100%. I mean, I'm sure there's an element of guilt when you have a child with mental Ill- like illness. It's like, well, why? What happened? What did I do? You know, is it something I did? Is it, you know, whatever. So it's not. I hope anybody listening, uh, like if, if yeah. that's, if that's ever a question, it is not anything you have done or not done. Yeah, exactly. And God and, but, is not punishing you. That's another thing. That's another thing. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm sure that that is out there. I don't, I don't hear it as much as I used to, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it's kind of like it, at some point that was something that was spread or taught I don't know why it would be I mean that's not how God works at all um (laughs) but yeah I mean you're right you know get get your individual help and then unify come together and then then you can help each other because how are you going to help help somebody if you're broken Hmm. I'm so I'm so appreciative that you you opened that door to the conversation with your mom like even if she's not ready to have it and you know from your just to show up and to be available is enough for people to at least know in the back of their minds, it's going to resonate like, okay, if, and when I am able to talk about this, Mm -hmm. I have a safe place. Yes. That's huge. Yeah. Just to like, listen, just like you said, be there. Listen, you don't even have to talk. You can cry the whole time. Take your tissues. Yes. You know, do the snot uh, nose cry. It's okay. But, uh, you know, like there's so much, I don't know if it's uh, man, woman, human, I don't know. But I'll tell you, when I'm really processing pain and I'm, I'm healing, there is 100% a, like a breakdown of like That's snot, oh, cry, yeah. like, hardcore, like headache the next day. Yes. Thank you. I used to want, I'm like, how can I cry so hard? I give myself a headache. What is that? And there is no, I don't care how, what kind of a miracle cream people say there's, there is nothing that can get rid of those bags. Oh no. Not that is a very pride. specific bag that it's like, I could put all the cold spoons and all the miracle creams. I'm just going to look like I got, I'm just, I'm, I'm like puffy eyed for an entire day after. Yeah, for sure. I know it's crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, it is definitely a cry that will your body it's a physical and, and it's actually pretty pretty a, the body is amazing right because if you mm-hmm. think about it you're releasing yes 
Yeah. And so your body, there is an effect on your body because it's such a passionate thing. You know, you're, I, I say everybody should have a good cry. I mean, you gotta. Oh, yes. I mean, and, that's know, a therapy in, in itself. <laughs> it is. And I think with men, it's still a stigma where men don't cry. And I just wish that would stop because too. it's, it's horrible. Like men need to cry. Men need to process emotion. Men need to express them in that way. Like, I'm sorry you do. Well, where do you think the rage comes from? That is nothing but a buildup of emotion that has never been allowed to re- be released. And so it right. manifests in a way that is socially acceptable, Sally rage. Yeah. Well, that is not, I don't think we should be encouraging that. Right. For sure. I agree. Ooh. Uh, but thank you so much for letting me share my story. No, thank you. Thank you. Because as much as you thank me for sharing mine, I know yours. And as soon as you email, I was like, oh, this is going to release so <laughs> many people. I hope so. I think, I think people just need to know that it's okay to not be okay. Mm. As, okay as that sounds. Oh, that's so true though. Mm. Yes. Like everybody wants to grin and bear it and say, oh yeah, too blessed to be stressed. It's okay to not feel like that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, and there, you know, even in the Bible, it talks about how like life is not easy. It, it, It is not easy. And what it is, is how you handle your challenges if you handle your challenges and you know, that's, that's the light mm-hmm. when you handle your challenges and you can still be an encouragement to others, or you can, you can still uplift the people around you. And you don't have to be like this, I'm sunshine and rainbows and butterflies, but mm-hmm. you can go through your hard times and you can still, you know, be a light to people and be an encouragement. And I think that's what God is intends intense for us is could not agree more. Yeah. What I think that also we get so hung up on, like, is it going to sound right? Is it going to sound good? And like, I've, I've encountered that a lot with like the soul shaker message, like friends that have cinnamon and are like, well, I don't, you know, is it going to sound, I'm like, don't overthink it. Because mm-hmm. again, especially if, if, if you're coming from a place of like, God, what do I need to say? It doesn't, it doesn't have to sound right to you because it will sound right to the person who needs to hear it. Oh, that's uh, so true. I love that you just said that. You're right. You're so right. Yes. Because the people, and if it, and here's the thing, my my husband even said it tonight because I was talking to him about, you know, what we were going to talk about. And he said, look, he said, whenever you share your story, there's always a chance that there's somebody that's going to kind of take offense to something you say or, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And so, and I think I kind of needed to hear that, you know, because not, not everybody believes there's a God and Mm -hmm. that's how I, that's my survival. That's my strength. That's, that's my power, you know? And so, um, you know, that might be offensive to someone, Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm definitely not going to apologize about that. Right. Exactly. Well, here's the thing. They don't typically apologize for not loving God or not believing in God, so mm-hmm. why should you apologize for believing in God and loving God? And that's that's my thing. Like, I'm not going to apologize for talking about my faith because I also will talk to people 
and and openly listen to people who don't share the same faith as me. So right. if I'm willing to give that, then it is really not my problem if you don't want to listen to it from me. I agree. And I love that you, I love that you are, are, are bold in sharing, you know, your, your thoughts and your faith. I think that's incredible. And you gotta, you know, you gotta keep doing that because even for people who maybe don't have a belief system, I guarantee you in, in some dark, quiet moments, they're going to need, they're going to need something. You know what I mean? No man is an island. No. <laughs> but yeah, I love that you, I love that you do that. And I love that you have hard conversations with people that not, most people won't talk to anybody about. So, um, well, I have to tell you, I, you are in, you are a prayer answered because as much as I, will be vocal about my faith. I don't necessarily share when I'm having crisis of faith. And for whatever reason, I have been struggling so much for, I don't know, the last few months, maybe more. And I've prayed, God show me. And these conversations have just happened at different points where I'm reminded of things that have happened. Mm. And I think, oh, I hadn't thought about that in a while. So Thank you. No. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> yeah. You know, you give your, your, your life to God. I always thought, well, that's it. It's the happily ever after. Ooh, Ooh. it's not. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you know, I do think there's no, um, and we talked, we emailed about this, you know, there, there's no accidents and the timing of everything was already ordained. And I think, from the first time I listened to your podcast, I was so deeply moved. And, and I just thought to myself, and I had been praying. You're, so you're an answer to prayer because I had been praying about a way to share some encouragement about sadness, um, isolation, fear, abortion, depression, suicide, and in a way that I could share my faith as well through it. And when I emailed you, I didn't, I didn't have any expectation. And when you emailed me back and I just, I I said, thank you, God, because I just knew I really felt like, okay. And I've been praying, you know, just give me the words to say. And, and so, and I just speak from the heart and who, like you said, who's supposed to hear it, will hear it. And, and it's so funny because you're sitting here saying like you needed to hear certain things. So it just goes to show like, even if you were the only person that got something, then that is enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the type of God that we, that we serve. He, he, he loves you so much that he, he wanted you to hear something. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 That's a blessing. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. Thank you. You're so welcome. It's been my pleasure. You know, one of the things that brings me so much joy and gratitude, gratitude is the best word that I can think of it, is that I can never really anticipate where the conversations are going to go. But I can guarantee that whatever direction it goes, I'm always going to be surprised and I'm always going to end that conversation just in awe, whether it's of that person, of something they've said, 
of a feeling that they evoked in me. And this conversation with Sarah was exactly the same. I mean, I had no way of expecting that we would get into talking about our faith and my crisis of faith and any of that in this episode. But I'm so grateful that I got to have this space with Sarah. And I'm so grateful that she reached out after hearing the episode where I talked about my mom or my family story. And, you know, it led to her coming on the podcast. And I don't want you to be afraid. Like, if you ever reach out to me just to say, hey, this episode meant something to me, that doesn't mean you automatically have to be on the podcast, though I would, I, I will probably ask because my goal is that every person in this world, any person in this world who's been through any adversity, trauma, anything, that at some point there are going to be enough episodes of this podcast and enough conversations that I've had with people that anyone could find an episode that they would see themselves in, that they would feel less alone and more seen and more heard. I know that I've had a lot of business people, business owners, entrepreneurs and on this podcast because full disclosure, I mean, I'm just enamored with that. I just think it's amazing the amount of self-doubt that somebody has to overcome to become an entrepreneur. So that is something I'm always drawn to. But I want you to understand as a listener that please don't think that you have to be an entrepreneur in order to come on this podcast. You can just have a story that you know other people need to hear. And I don't ever want to get away from that. And I just want you to know that as a listener, whether this is your first time or you're, you know, a person who's been listening from episode one, thank you. Thank you. And please don't ever, ever doubt or question whether somebody could be inspired by your own story, whether you share it on a podcast or your Facebook, or an Instagram post, you never know what trial or obstacle that you have overcome or have gone through in your life, and your story might be the one thing that gives somebody else hope. And that is forever my prayer with any episode of this podcast, that at least one nugget of it would help someone. If you know somebody who needs to hear something, anything from this episode or any episode that I've ever published that you would share it with them. Because life is too short for us to feel isolated and alone. And if an episode of this podcast can make somebody feel less isolated and less alone, then amen and I have done my job and my mission in the world. So thank you for listening. And I really hope you come back next week. 